Amen. Amen. Well, enjoyed good singing tonight. And in the house of the Lord, appreciate what God has done for us thus far. And if you'll turn with us to the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter number one, and uh, we'll bring a message tonight that the Lord has laid upon our heart. And I know that this is a familiar psalm. I've preached from this psalm many times, and I'm sure every preacher has. But it's amazing how the Word of God is so rich. Amen. And uh, you can take a passage of Scripture that you you can't wear anything out, but sometimes you have a tendency not to go there just because maybe you have uh, preached so many times from it. But that the Scriptures is just like a well, amen. If you keep going back, you'll get a fresh drink of water every time. And so I was looking at this psalm this week, and the Lord spoke to my heart. And so if you're able to stand with us in reverence to the Word of God in prayer, let me ask you to pray for our preachers tonight. A number of them are preaching over in the jails and uh, so at Silverdale. So let's remember them in uh, prayer tonight as they're preaching. They've been preaching all week. Uh, they're in revival. So let's remember the, the men of God that are out preaching tonight. But Psalms chapter number one, Psalms chapter number one, and we'll begin reading in verse number one. The Bible said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the sea of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I want to thank you once again for letting us be in church tonight. I want to thank you for the good testimonies that we've heard and the good songs that have been sung. Lord, how your name has been lifted up in our midst. And Lord, as it's already been said, we want to thank you for the grace of God that bring us salvation that's appeared to all men. None of us have made it here by ourselves tonight, but we appreciate, Lord, your goodness, your mercy, and your grace that you've extended to us. I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. Speak to our hearts. And we'll love you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to draw your attention to verse number three here in just a moment. And I want to preach on the subject tonight concerning uh, this tree that has been planted by the rivers of water. And I want to talk tonight about the blessed man. That's really the subject of what I want to preach on tonight is the blessed man or how to be a blessed man. But in this passage of Scripture, you know as well as I do that Psalms chapter 1, that there's a separation uh, in the first three verses from the last three verses concerning two different lifestyles. And I want to say that this psalm is very important because it not only pictures uh, the life of a fruitful person and the life of a fruitless person, but it also is a picture of the entire book of Psalms within itself in this one psalm. And I think that's amazing because when you think about Psalms chapter number one, uh, the content of this psalm really reveals uh, the entire 150 psalms within themselves. What I mean by that is that when you take these 150 psalms and you put them together, that there's two primary principles that these psalms are trying to teach us. Number one, they teach us how to have a blessed life and how to be a blessed man. And then secondly, they warn us against the ungodly life
life and the life of destruction. And that's what we find in Psalms chapter number one is that this Psalm tells us in the first three verses on how uh, to be a blessed man and have a blessed life. Notice with me in verse number one that the Bible says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. I see that this blessed man in verse number one, I see here that he is separated in his walk, amen? And I wanna say tonight, if you're gonna be a blessed individual and if you're gonna have a blessed life, then the first thing you're gonna have to determine as a Christian is that you're gonna live a separated life. What I mean by that, friend, is you cannot walk in ungodly counsel, you cannot stand with ungodly sinners, you cannot sit in the sea of the scornful and have the blessings of God on your life. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't witness to lost people. It doesn't mean that you can that you cannot befriend them, but what it does mean is that you cannot yoke up with them and you cannot fellowship with them and you cannot take advice from lost people in this world. Isn't that right? And so I see that, excuse me, a blessed man is a man that is separated in his walk. And then in verse number two, I see that he is saturated in the word. As the Bible said that his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And I think that this is a part of separation that every one of us needs to get a hold of tonight. And that is that separation is not just separation from, but it's separation to, amen. You know, a lot of people think if they just stop doing a lot of things, then they're going to have a blessed life. But this man is not just separated from the world, but he is saturated in the word of God. The Bible said that his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law, he meditates day and night. This man loves the word of God so much that he doesn't need the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't need the fellowship of sitting uh, in the way of, or standing in the way of sinners or sitting in the sea of the scornful. He's found something much more delightful than the fellowship of this world, and that's the word of God. Amen. And can I tell you tonight, young people, if you'll get your nose in the Bible and if you'll read the Bible every day and if you'll study the word of God every day, you won't have a hunger for this world. You'll have a hunger for the word of God. I say to every parent tonight, it's not enough just to set boundaries in your children's life and tell them they can't do this and they can't do that. If you, if you raise your children that way alone, I'm gonna tell you what you'll raise. You'll either raise a rebel or you'll raise a Pharisee. Isn't that right? But if you'll put some boundaries in their life and then if you'll pour the word of God in their heart and if you'll teach them a personal devotion and a personal relationship and about a personal fellowship with God, then they won't wanna go to this world because they'll want to live in the boundaries of the word of God because they love the Lord, amen? And so I see here that he is separated from this world. He is saturated in his walk and uh, in, in the word, but then he is successful or he's steadfast in his way. The Bible said he's like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now young people hear me tonight. If you wanna have a successful life, then you need to live for God, amen? Amen. And this man is blessed because God is the one that gives us the blessings. And what happens in verses four through six is that he turns the page and he points us in a different direction now. And he says the ungodly are not so. That word ungodly is very important. You ought to circle that word because it's found in every single verse in these last three verses. 
In fact, the word ungodly is found in verse number one. It's found in verse number four, verse five, and verse number six. He highlights the ungodly in this text. He tells us how to have a blessed life, but then he highlights the ungodly and he tells us why that we would not want to live an ungodly life. And I, I want to say to you tonight, every young person in this building needs to purpose in their heart and determine tonight, if you hadn't already, that you're not going to live an ungodly life. Amen. Well, if you don't purpose that in your heart, you will tonight because the flesh is ungodly. And what this psalm tells us in verse number one is he tells us here in verse number one talking about the ungodly that their walk is deceitful. He said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, he says that the walking, that, that the, the, the walk of the ungodly is deceitful. You may listen to their words and it may sound good, but look at their life, amen. Look at the things that's going on in their life. You know, if a young person would just take a good look at the world, take a good look at the ungodly, they never want to go there. Because nobody that lives for the world has a blessed life. It may look shiny on the outside, but the more you talk to them, there's turmoil on the inside. And he tells us that the reason you don't want to live an ungodly life is because their walk is deceitful. He said in verse number four that their world is driven. He said the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. What does that mean tonight? The chaff that the wind drives away. In other words, he said the ungodly, they're not like the blessed man. In other words, they're not planted by the rivers of water. There's no steadfastness in their life. He said they're like the chaff, the wind drives away. In other words, their world world is driven. Their life is out of control. Every one of us tonight could name people whose lives are living ungodly and their life is out of control. You know the difference between that and a saved person? Things may look out of control out of our life, but if we're saved and living for Jesus, our life never is out of control. The storm may rage, the waters may, and the billows may rise, but our life isn't out of control because the captain of our salvation keeps us steady even in the midst of the storm, even in the hardships of life. But he says the ungodly are not so. Their way, uh, their, their walk is deceitful. Their world is driven. But then he tells us in verse number five that their witness is doomed. He said the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. You see, tonight, when you look at this congregation, it's easy to blend in. I, don't, I wish this was true, but I don't think, Brother Jack, everybody here is living a godly life. You know what it means to be ungodly? You say, well, preacher, to be ungodly means to get out there and drink or smoke or commit adultery or, or cuss or, or watch a bunch of bad shows. No, that's not what it means to be ungodly. Because you can, never, you can live your life and never do those things and still be ungodly. You know what ungodly means? It means to be godless. It means to have a life with no God in it. I wonder how many people are sitting in church tonight living an ungodly life. You can be in a good church, you can tell the King James Bible and still be ungodly. You can be saved and be ungodly. 
You see, you can come to church and you can blend in and hey, listen, all you got to do to live an ungodly life is subtract God out of the equation. And I'm telling you, going to church three times a week doesn't count. I'm saying if you live every day and there's no God in your day, if there's no devotion, if there's no Bible reading, if there's no prayer, if there's no mention of God, if you're making every decision based on your flesh or your own desires or your own ambitions, then you're living an ungodly life. And he tells us that their witness is doomed. He said their way is destruction. In verse number six, he said, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. There's one thing that everybody in this room were to mark down tonight from the preacher to the back row is that if you choose to live an ungodly life, you will perish. The way of the ungodly shall perish. But you know, when I got to thinking about this psalm, we've heard a lot of preaching down through the years on this psalm. I I look at this man in verse number one and the Bible said, blessed is the man. And this psalm tonight is both practical, but it's also prophetic in its own time. And what I mean by that is whenever the psalmist penned Psalms 1 down, sure, he was thinking about how we could live a blessed life. And he was thinking about if we'll just do these things and live by these principles, then we can have a blessed life. But whenever the psalmist looked, uh, penned Psalms 1 down, he was thinking about a man in particular. He was thinking about one that the Old Testament prophesied that would come. He was thinking about the Messiah and he was thinking about his life and that one day he would come. You see, that's the way every one of the writers, when they wrote, they had the Messiah in mind. They knew in the Old Testament that he would come and of course Jesus did come. And when you think about Psalms chapter one and you think about it in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, I want to say tonight, there's been a lot of men in the Bible that have been blessed and we know a lot of men today that have been blessed, but when I think about the blessed man tonight, I know who that is, uh, that is none other than the Lord Jesus himself. You see, Jesus is that blessed man. 33 and a half years he walked here on this earth and he never walked in the counsel of the ungodly. He never stood in the way of sinners. He never sat in the seat of the scornful. Jesus was that blessed man. His delight was in the law of the Lord and in his law Jesus meditated day and night. Is that not what our Savior said when he came? He said, I didn't come to destroy the law. He said, I came to fulfill the law. He was the very word, my friend, in living form and Jesus was like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brought forth his fruit in his season. He went to Calvary and he hung on a tree and he suffered and he bled and he died. And you know what you and I are today? We're a product of that fruit. We're that fruit that's coming off that tree. Jesus died on a tree. His whole life was centered around Calvary. It was one long crucifix uh, that was centered around the cross. Uh, And thank God you and I are that fruit that has come forth in that season. Amen. What I'm saying is the tree of Calvary is still blooming in 2016. If somebody was to walk the aisle and get saved tonight, there'd be fruit coming forth in that season. Whatsoever Christ did, he prospered. And when I think about this tree in verse number two or verse number three, I want you to notice this tree tonight for a few moments and we'll be through. I want you to notice uh, the start of this tree. As the Bible says, and he shall be like a tree planted. If you think about Christ, Christ was that tree that was planted. Is that right? 
Isaiah 53 said that uh, he hath no form nor comeliness and when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him. The Bible said that he was like a root that was brought out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness is what the, the writer said in Isaiah 53 but Jesus was, a, was like a tree that was planted and what I mean by that is Calvary or that the birth of Christ was not an accident. Somebody say amen. It wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't plan B in the mind of God but before the foundations of this world Jesus Christ was already a lamb that had been slain and God the Father had appointed place. He had appointed time when Jesus would be born. He prophesied that he would be born in Bethlehem, that he would, that he would be raised in Nazareth, that he would be a Nazarene. What are you saying? I'm saying God planted him in this world, amen. Jesus had a start in this world. And you and I, the same thing is true on a practical level that listen, the day that you and I got saved, that wasn't an afterthought in the mind of God. It wasn't an accident, neither was it. Can I tell you tonight, listen, I'm not a Calvinist and I don't believe Calvinist doctrine, but I do believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe in the providence of God and I believe the day that I got saved and the day you got saved, I know it may have surprised all of us, but it didn't shock God. I promise you that much. You know why? Because just like the old songwriter said, he came looking for me, friend. I'm glad that long before I ever found him, I'm glad he knew where I was. He knew what I would be. He came to where I was and he found me, amen, and and he drew me to his side. And that's where our life started, isn't that right? We was planted, the Bible says. That speaks of being cultivated. It speaks of being cared for, being carefully set out. When you plant something, you don't just throw caution to the wind, but you pick a spot of ground and you go to that place and you cultivate the ground and you prepare it and you get it ready and you purposely put that plant or that seed in that ground. You know, that's what God does in our life. He plants his places. You think about this church. You're not here by accident. God planted you here. I think about people when they get out of the will of God, they, they leave churches, they leave places like as if it is nothing. I, even as a, a pastor tonight, I wouldn't leave this church just because of problems. I wouldn't leave it because of pro, for prosperity tonight. You say, why, preacher? Because God planted me here. I'm going to stay here till God says leave, Amen till he uproots me. And I, I want to say that's the way you have to live your life. So many people leave and bounce around from here and there, but when God plants you on the job, stay on that job. When he plants you in a church, stay in that church. When he plants you in a good Christian home, thank God for that Christian home. I'm telling you, listen, stay. If he, if he gives you a, a good godly husband or a good godly wife, sure, you're going to have some hard times, but he planted that person in your life. Stay with them, amen? Be faithful to them. Love them through thick and through thin, through through the good times and through the bad. I'm telling you, that's our planning. That's our start in life, amen. Jesus was that person. Then I see the supply, as the Bible says in verse number three, and he shall be like a tree planted, notice this, by the rivers of water. I saw something today, Brother Terry, I never saw in that verse. Maybe, maybe you have seen that, but the Bible does not say by the river of water, but it said by the rivers. That's plural, isn't it? I know that God's rivers never fail, but if one did, God has another one, doesn't he? Sometimes the brooks dry up in our life, but we don't have to worry. God's got another supply coming from another direction. I thought about the rivers 
of water that since I've been saved that God has planted me by. Have you ever thought about that? When the Lord saved you, he didn't just leave you out there. No, he put some rivers in your life. He put, some, he put some refreshing sources in your life that gives you stability and gives you a root system. I think about the river of pardon that God gives us when we get saved. And then he gives us the, the river of grace. And then there's the river of mercy. And then there's the river of fellowship. And then there's the river of the church. And then there's the river of the word of God. There's that river of preaching. Don't you thank God for preaching? And there's that river of Bible teaching. Well, you can go to Sunday school and listen to the word of God being taught. Oh, that's a river. That's, those are things that builds a root system in our life. and It grounds us. I'm saying that's our supply. And when God saved you, he didn't leave you out there for the devil to pick you apart. He put you in a good church. He put you under the preaching of the word of God. He put you a, a Bible in your hand. He put the Holy Spirit in your heart. He gave you a comforter to walk with you. Hey, those are rivers of water that help us and supplies us in this Christian life. So I see tonight the start of this tree. I see it supplying, but then I see it season. The Bible said that he bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Every tree has a season, doesn't it? I remember when I was a kid growing up from, the, from my house to the rec department, there was a, there was a peach tree out there. And... Uh, Nobody ever did anything with it. They just it just grew right there on the corner of the street and filled the yard up and they mowed the peaches down. But I'd go by there as a kid and every when them peaches would come out, Brother Charles, I'd just eat them. I mean, I didn't I didn't I didn't think about washing them. I didn't think about you know I didn't think about you know getting a worm in my mouth. Probably ate no telling how many worms. But I mean, they, it was good good peach tree. I didn't think about bad spots. I mean, I ate the bad spots with the good spots, you know. But I'd walk by there, and, I, and I'm telling you, listen, over the season of that, nobody ever brought it, picked any fruit off that tree. And, and walking from the rec department to the house over a course of time and going back and forth to, to school, I'd eat just about every peach that was on that tree. I sure would. That tree's still there, isn't it? Right there where I, I go get a haircut and I look over there and there's that tree after all these years. And you know something? I don't go over there and eat a peach anymore. But you know what that tree's doing? It's still bringing forth its fruit in its season. I'm going to tell you, there was a time in my life when it was there for a particular reason. You might say, well, I wouldn't eat a tree. I wouldn't eat a peach without washing it. If you're hungry enough, you will. Worms ain't nothing but protein anyway. You boys know that. <laughs> hey, man, they didn't taste too bad. I'd eat every one of them. You know why? Because it was there for a reason. It had a purpose. I often thought about it. I'd go by and get a haircut, and I looked at that tree out that window. I thought, I wonder if God put that tree there so it could feed me one day. You say, I don't believe that, preacher. Well, you can believe what you want to. Hey, a lot of times I didn't handle supper. But I could eat them peaches. Sometimes I go to school, I didn't have no snack, but I'd grab a couple of them peaches and take them to school. It was bringing its fruit in its season. 
unnoticed to, to man, unnoticed to anybody else, but it's forever a memory locked in my mind. And I'm telling you, isn't that the way God is? Uh, he, blew, he plants us in obscure places sometimes, and we're not known to this world. And No, we don't have a big title, and the world doesn't chant our name, but somewhere along the way, God lets us bloom where he planted us uh, so that we can bring forth fruit in a season. I feel a little bit of heaven on that point. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, just stay with God. Uh, just stay faithful. It may seem like a lot of ordinary days in your life, but just keep on going and just be faithful. I'm telling you, you'll bear fruit in your own season. Amen. And I see the season. I see the supply. And then I want to say this. I see the strength of this tree. The Bible says his leaf also shall not wither. Even in the dry times, the leaf has not withered. You know why that is? Because we've heard this many times. He's drawing water from another source. I mean, that river may be dried up, but there's water coming somewhere. You know, if you go deep enough about anywhere, you're going to hit water. Amen. That's because the top of this earth may look barren at times, but underneath the, the ground deep enough, there's a water supply that you and I cannot see. How many times in our life has it looked like when everything was dry on the outside? You look at a Christian going through a very dry season, but yet their leaf does not wither. You know why? Because right here's an unlimited source. Right here's an unlimited supply. You may be here tonight and say, man, I'm going through some, some hard times. I'm going through some desert times in my life. I'm I'm going to tell you something, friend. Open up your Bible tonight when you go home. You Listen, get you a cool drink of water. Get up in the morning time before you go to work. If you're dead spiritually and dry spiritually, listen, get a little bit of water out of this well and it'll keep you going through life's journey. Them Christians that we see, that we look up to, that seem so strong, they have a daily walk with God. I can't emphasize that enough. Have a personal walk with God. Then I want to close with this thought tonight. The Bible says here, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I see not only the strength of this tree, but I see the success of it. That no matter what happens, this tree prospers. Was that not the life of Christ? Christ was born in some of the most difficult times to ever be born in. He was born in a time when he didn't have a place to lay his head or a place to call home when he started his ministry. But yet Jesus was a tree that brought forth fruit in his season. And whatever Christ did, he prospered, even on the cross when the world despised him and the, the soldiers had beat him. And even the Father himself had to turn his back on him because of the, the bearing of sin. Jesus prospered at Calvary. He bowed his head and he didn't say I'm finished but he said it is finished tonight. I wonder as they come and get us a song ready. I want, you to, I want to ask you this question. It's a simple question but it's something that I think that do good for all of us to be reminded of tonight. I want to ask you this question tonight. Is your life being blessed? And when I ask you that question I, I'm not asking you tonight young people do you have everything that you want and is everything going right in your life? I'm not asking you adults tonight. When I say, is your life being blessed? I'm not asking you if all the bills are being paid and if you've got a nice car and a nice house. You can have all them things and not be blessed. I'm asking you tonight spiritually, is the blessings of God on your life? How are you faring tonight? Not financially, not materialistically, 
Not even physically. But how are you faring spiritually tonight? Paul didn't have any of those things I just mentioned in Ephesians 1 and verse 3. But Paul said this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Paul could lay in the prison cell in Acts 16, beaten with many stripes and not even a decent meal or anything to, to cover himself up with. And he could talk about the blessings of God in his life because he had tapped into the most important realm, and that's spiritually. Tonight as we stand, is your life being blessed spiritually? Do you feel God, the presence of God, working in your life tonight? If not, maybe you need to come to this altar. Maybe tonight you need to come. The Holy Spirit's dealt with you about something in your heart. You don't have to tell me, but I tell you, I don't care if I make a lot of money. I don't care about having a lot of nice things in life. I mean, you go through them phases only to find out they don't mean anything. But I tell you, there's one thing I want to have. I want God's blessing spiritually on my life tonight. I want to be blessed spiritually above everything else. And while we sing this verse, what are we going to sing, Brother Danny? 385. 385. While we sing, if you need to come, you mind God.